Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. No one is more locked From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. All right, thanks for being with us. First and Pod, subscribe, rate, review. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. We're going to get to big questions for the South divisions, NFC South, AFC South, in a little bit. But it is Combine Week. We're recording this on a Thursday, so when you're listening to this on Friday or over the weekend, there will be more information on how the quarterbacks did at the Combine Pony, but I am hard-pressed to believe that there will be a bigger story than potentially the number one overall player in the draft, Jalen Carter, being basically served with a rest warrant uh, 30 minutes before he was supposed to hit the podium with two misdemeanor charges related to the fatal crash Uh, of a teammate and a staffer on Georgia football. Obviously, the tragedy is the biggest part of the story, but the football side of it with Jalen Carter, he says he will be completely exonerated, which kind of blew my mind as a statement, uh, given that the police say they have surveillance footage from street street cameras there. It seems like that might be some pretty black and white evidence. How big of a deal do you think this is going to be for his draft stock? I think it'll be kind of a big deal. I won't go as far as to say that he's going to have like a Randy Moss or Warren Sapp slide. I don't think he's going to be waiting in the green room. I don't even think this is Laramie Tunsil with the gas mask the night of the draft. So you think Uh, he's a top 10 pick still? Yes, I do. Uh, I think everybody kind of owes Todd McShay an apology. There was this big rush to bury McShay for some of the things he said about Jalen Carter. Uh, He must have had good information on this guy because, you know, the story that was told to the police, differing stories twice. And I'm guessing that there were people around the Georgia football program and even people in the NFL who knew about that part of things that he initially said, that he heard an explosion at his apartment 
and drove over like a good Samaritan to see what had happened. And then the second version was he was driving behind them when the accident occurred. So the accident happened and he left the scene of the accident for, I think, like two hours, allegedly, and then came back. So it's only they're only misdemeanor charges, Danny, which that means to put my legal head on, you know, the the absolute maximum he could do is a year in jail to make a comparison. Willie McGinnis for getting in that bar fight from the NFL network just got hit with two felonious charges for his role in that, which I think kind of puts things in perspective in the eyes of the law, just how egregious they think what Carter did is. And I think that in the end, unless teams think that he is a risk to do more stuff like this and is someone that has, you know, bad intentions or is somebody that really doesn't put football first and just fools around and does reckless things, I think he'll still end up in the top 10, Danny. The talent's too great. The the talent's amazing and it's a premium position. Uh, He does have the speeding ticket for going 89 miles an hour in a 45. So, and then there's this, you know, drag racing incident, leaving a strip club at 2.30 in the morning, going to a Waffle House, leaving the scene of an accident. And of course, this is all allegedly, and we know that police reports often are not accurate. But again, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporting seems to give a lot of veracity to the point of there's cameras and there's witnesses and there's a 911 call where people are mentioning his name. So it seems... And I like the first two parts of that. I like celebrating a national championship with a trip to Waffle House and a trip to the strip club. It's It's the drag racing, it's the fast and furious aspect of this that I have a problem with. Uh, yeah, no, abs- absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm right there with you. Uh, sounds like a good time until it wasn't. But it's um, the the lying. And if you like, let's say the version of events are true. You're driving 100 miles an hour. You see a crash of the other car that you're racing that you know has friends teammate yeah in the car and your first instinct is to leave that is real bad man and then you lie about it so it's you're doubling down on the mistake you mentioned willie mcginnis you're thinking about the level of the charges what about lyle collins remember lyle undrafted but it was kind of by design right lyle collins was just supposed to talk to police about someone that he used to be in a relationship with who was killed after the draft was his meeting with the police schedule, but it came out too close to the draft for teams to interview him. He fell out. He was a uh, top 10 prospect at tackle. So a premium position, very similar to Carter. Now that news obviously came out, you know, right at the time of the draft, but, and teams panicked, didn't draft him in the first round, didn't draft him in the second round. And then his agent was like, if you don't take us in the top three rounds, don't draft us at all. And then everything kind of calmed down. The Cowboys signed him to a fully guaranteed three-year deal and got a heck of a player out of it. But the reporting on that was he wasn't even a suspect. They just wanted to talk to him. 
So my thing on this has been, because obviously a lot of people have talked about the Bears trading down a few spots and taking him. You need a three technique for Matt Eberflus's defense. They tried to sign Larry Ogunjobi. It fell through. Like Jalen Carter's probably the most mocked player to the Bears up until this point. My thing has been, it feels like the range of outcomes here is anywhere from Lyle Collins to... If he is telling the truth somehow, because they are just allegations and he is fully exonerated and he went right back to the combine, it feels like he still could be the first defensive player off the board. Like I I feel like we need a lot more information on this and teams will have very differing opinions on him after this report. I could see some people taking him off their board entirely and some people saying, well, here we go. This is the opportunity to draft the top prospect with the the troubled character and we'll bring him into our system and our environment and we'll be sure that we take care of the guy. So I, I think there is a wide range of outcomes here on Jalen Carter. I don't think the Collins thing will happen. I would be, it would need, we would need something, I think, that made him sound like he was almost responsible or culpable for what happened. For it to rise to that level. It's just really, really bad judgment. Yeah. Well, and I don't, and, and look, I know that people, he's got a penchant for driving his car fast. I mean, that's, that's obvious. That's the one connection you make from the speeding tip, ticket that you referenced. But w- what else about the kid's um, pattern of behavior or what else about his character is something that needs to be looked into I mean wasn't there a story out there about how the Cowboys when they thought they got a bargain on Des Bryant in the draft they basically like got him a babysitter he had a handler when he was in Dallas do you know what I mean yeah like look at what was in now he went in the sixth round and he didn't play at Georgia and win a national championship but look what was on Tyreek Hill's record when he got drafted. Right. But you know he, what he, I mean? He, he, he was a fifth round pick. Right. So I don't think we get to a point where it's the Lyle Collins extreme. Uh, I think people will be more willing to talk their way into to Carter than the other way around. Once we get past teams that have the teams that would look at the pick and say, we're really not getting a value on him. Like I could see him falling out of the top five for this reason. But then I think once you get past that point, there are teams that are like, he's too good. Yeah. He's better than anybody on our board. And, you know, we'll say, we'll get him in here. We'll make sure that he has a driver or whatever. We'll be very conscious about that. I bet he takes some kind of plea deal and does community service unless there's new information that comes out after this. So, but. I would be, let me just say one more thing on it. I would be now surprised for you if your team ends up drafting this guy unless they trade way down where they're picking like 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, something like that. Yeah, well, so that that's kind of the next part of it. Uh, the other big story is Adam Schefter's report that basically got confirmed by Ryan Poles, the Bears general manager, uh, Schefter said they're leaning towards trading down and polls did a hundred interviews this week and said that, you know, best case scenario is trading down and acquiring 
as many assets as he can because they've got a lot of holes to fill and that he really believes in Justin Fields, still left the door open, said we're going to evaluate each quarterback. We have to do our due diligence. I, I would have to be absolutely blown away to, to make that move. But it appears all but a certainty at this point that the Bears will be trying to build around Justin Fields and trading down in the draft. And so now the question becomes, are they willing to only trade down one spot to Houston to still lock in getting the top defensive player on their board in Will Anderson and acquiring an extra mid-round pick or two? Or are they willing to really risk not getting a blue chip player at the top of this draft, trading down, like you said, Carolina at nine, who we'll talk about in a little bit when we do the NFC South, and you know, taking more of a risky top pick in this draft, but maybe coming away with three or four extra picks, including an extra first round pick or two. Oh man. I think that this is such a tough spot for the bears because I don't think as of this moment, there's separation between the quarterbacks. I see mock drafts that have Anthony Richardson going with the first pick. Yeah, but, but but let's let's see. I mean, uh, people are going to be listening to this on a Friday. Let let's let's see if that changes after Friday. And the you know, we, there's still there's still time. Well, for Young's that. not going to throw. No, I know that. So I don't I don't see it. other than his height coming in. Where I mean, at five eleven or six no. feet, that's not going to happen. I mean, he's no, gonna be, he's going to come in short. But I mean, may, may, maybe he weighs two hundred pounds. That would that would be surprising, but but I mean, here's the thing on that man. He should he, weigh 200 pounds. If I were him, all I would have done for the last month was eat. That's correct. all I would have done. Correct. Just to get a weight that just okay. Well, we can live with this. Right. That's it. That so, would have been the greatest life of, in the world for the last month to be Bryce Young. I would have been eating ribeye steaks and mashed potatoes and eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at midnight every single night and drinking a lot of beer. I mean, I, I agree. And there's nothing stopping you from doing that, buddy. You can balloon to any weight you want at this point. It's the beauty of marriage. Um, but not smoking pot, because I think they still test for that, right? Or are they done with that? Is the pot testing done and over with at the, the combine? combine? I think it used to be have... a big part of this. Yeah, it used to be a big part of that. I think it might be done, actually. Spencer, see if you can Google if they still uh, weed tested the combine. Um, that wouldn't have been good for you and me at 21 years old. No, no, or 31, uh, or 31 hours ago. Um, but the other, okay, so a lot of people are making that argument. If there's not separation in the quarterbacks, it's bad for the Bears. Do you really believe that general managers who spend hundreds of hundreds of hours on these decisions. I don't know if we talked about this on the pod or not. I've certainly made the point on the show that they will say, well, I've got this guy graded at a nine, two, this guy graded at a nine, one, this guy graded at an eight, nine. That's all pretty close. So if the guy who's an eight, nine falls to me, I'm cool with it at franchise quarterback. Like I, I could see that at the end, I could see that at receiver. I could see that at tackle. This is the franchise quarterback. This is the guy who you get hired or fired because of. This is the guy who speaks to the media after every game and once a week in front of your logo. Like, this is okay. the whole thing. So, like, I, I just firmly well, believe 
that these guys are going to have a ranking of one, two, three, and four. Have you guys position on these guys? Now I understand that the Browns needed a quarterback that year, but you know it's not like I'm trying to think of that draft with Mayfield and Darnold and Rosen and Allen and those guys. I guess two teams did move up to get the quarterbacks that they wanted. The Jets moved with the Colts from what? Six to three. To three, yeah. To get Darnold because they knew the Giants were probably going to take Barkley. And the Bills came up twice to make sure that they got themselves Allen. So I guess I'm bringing that up because I'm thinking like, I agree with what you said there, but, you know, if these guys do have it close what are they going to be willing to give up to make sure that they get the guy who they have marginally rated ahead of the second guy? Is it going to be like commensurate with the Jimmy Johnson draft value chart, or is it going to be less than that? Or is it going to be more because we're talking about franchise quarterback and guys overpay for one? And they always do, man. It's so fascinating because like, so like Ryan Pace, obviously not anyone that you would want to model your strategy after, but he was so convinced that he had to have Mitch Trubisky that he traded a couple of mid-round picks to move up from three to two, and he just looked at it as insurance on getting his guy. Kyle Shanahan traded up from 13 to three five weeks before the draft. So he didn't even know. I mean, he knew Trevor Lawrence was going one, but he didn't know for sure that All right, let me ask you a question about this. Yeah. If you are Ryan Pace right now, and Houston just makes you a decent offer. Ryan Poles, this, you mean? Ryan Poles, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you, I'm Bears, saying Ryan for Pace hiring. Traded up from yeah. three to two to draft. Thank him. you, Bears, for hiring a guy with the same first name and first letter of the last name with your next GM. I appreciate you doing that for everyone outside of Chicago, dude. It, they hired the same name of the coach and the GM. I know Matt Nagy to Matt Eberflus, <laughs> Ryan Pace to Ryan Poles. Um, insane. If Houston went to the Bears right now and just said, "Look, don't even shop this around." Just move back one spot with us. Would you do that today? No. I think that that's going to. I think that because if that's I'm gonna, Houston, that, if I'm Houston, that's what I would be trying to do every day. We'll just throw you like a mid round. Like we'll throw you a third right now. To just don't even sweat this. Just take the third, move back one spot, and don't even try to like be Kevin Cusser and draft it. Just. Yeah, well, and then you could actually trade down again after the first quarterback yeah. comes off the board. Houston obviously won the last game of the season for no reason. And so, like, there's, like, a little bit of thought that there would be some shame there uh, of trading with that team to move up. But it's a uh, – the Bears are in a great spot. If if it ends up being like that 2017 draft, though, where after Friday at the Combine and after the Pro Days, everyone's like, man, there's a lot of first-round grades on these quarterbacks. But – Will Anderson is Miles Garrett. To me, that's the worst case scenario for the Bears. That no one's willing to pay the price to move to one. And Ryan Poles is stuck with like either having to take a deal like that to Houston or just standing pat and taking a guy. Because but I, I think at worst, he's taking a trade like the one you just talked about. Uh and probably trying to hold out for a second round pick to move up one spot because he gave that second rounder of Claypool. But I think that someone's going to fall in love with someone, and we'll talk about in the AFC South, 
Houston at two and Indy at four, playing those teams against each other of you got to jump your division rival to get your quarterback so that you don't have to play against your quarterback. I think that means a great deal. Let's get to the divisional previews here. Southern division. The NFC situation is interesting, man. I was thinking about how to best frame this. And I realized that we could ask the same question of all four teams in that division. And we could take it in any way. We can rank which is the best job or whatever. Carolina, Atlanta, Tampa, New Orleans. How are they going to get their quarterback? That's the question for all the teams in the offseason. And if you want to say one of them standing pat with what they got, that's fine. But uncertainty at quarterback for four out of four teams in one division. Kind of a crazy spot. Take it any direction you want. And three of them have quarterbacks that are young quarterbacks that haven't really played. Atlanta has Ritter. Carolina has Corral, who missed the entire year. And, And Tampa Bay has Trask. And then you've got New Orleans, who has Jameis under contract. But, you know, the way that things went down with him this year, I would be stunned if they made him the starting quarterback after telling him to sit on the bench and watch Andy Dalton right. all year. Um, I think of those teams, I think the team that is the most quarterback friendly of that group, even though I don't trust the head coach and they have a new offensive coordinator is Tampa just because I think the line will be better again next year. And as of this moment, they still have Evans and they still have Godwin. So that to me makes them the team that's the closest to winning on offense. But I think Bowles stinks and I don't like their cap situation. Well, so that's so, the thing though. So, but what's, how, how does Tampa, I assume you're talking about adding a veteran. How do they add a veteran? with their cap situation without losing those other guys. Like to me, and we've talked about this before, they seem like such an obvious teardown candidate. And I know you can manipulate the cap, but can you go from being 50 something million over to 40 million under to sign a real quarterback and keep your weapons? Like I, I don't think so. Like I I think you can make an argument that Carolina, because they hired Frank Reich for better or worse. I like him. So do I. They have DJ Moore. They've got a very good defense. They just hired the new defensive coordinator from the Broncos. And it's obviously a wide open division. And they've got the ninth overall pick. Like to me, if I'm Derek Carr, screw the Jets. Screw the AFC, go to Carolina, play in warm weather, have a number one receiver. DJ Moore has put up numbers with nobody throwing to him his entire career. And then at nine, as part of your package deal, like I I have options, I will pick you. But at nine, I'm not going to tell you who to pick, but you're picking offense. Like, you're either picking the, you know, Paris Johnson from Ohio State or Quentin Johnston from TCU or Jordan Addison from uh, USC. Like You are picking offense at nine and I will sign with you. And all of a sudden, 
you've upgraded your offense significantly at quarterback and either tackle or receiver. You have the best quarterback in the division. You've got the best defense probably in the division. You have the new coach bump on both sides of the ball. I feel like Carolina is a 10-win team in that scenario. Who is the quarterback that gets him there, though, to 10? Derek Carr is what I'm saying. Derek Carr. I'm, sa- I'm saying Derek Carr says, I will sign with you. But here are the things you need to do. Here are the stipulations. Like but, draft you, the guy. but you have to yeah. vow to me to take the top offensive player on your board <laughs> at nine. I don't care if it's a tackle uh, or a receiver, but you or, or the tight end, the tight end from Notre Dame. You, whoever is the top offensive player on your board at nine, that's what you're doing. And I and and I will and I sign with you, and then all of a sudden you upgrade your offense significantly, and I I think that that's, I mean I I understand the argument of Olave and playing in a dome in New Orleans, but I think that Carolina is like a sneaky good I, team right now. Here's the thing: I don't even I wouldn't even need if I'm if I'm Carr, I don't even think I I need the you need to take offense with the ninth pick to want to go there because the division is so winnable. And I think I'm with the coach. I've got somebody that's going to help get the best or the most out of me. So I've got such a quarterback friendly coach, you know, Gruden is a guy that is a quarterback whisperer, but he also has a tendency to want to jerk around quarterbacks and change quarterbacks. He's done that his entire career when he was coaching Josh McDaniels is a prick. And he had guys like Jack Del Rio in, in in Oakland before that. So I would be excited to work with Reich if I were him. I would honestly, I would if I were Derek Carr and the money was close, I would much prefer that to go into New York with the Jets, even though the Jets roster is better. It's just in the AFC with the Bills. And I wouldn't want to deal with the New York media market. If I'm him, I think they'd chew him up and spit him out. You know, the other thing I want to just bring up here is if I'm Garoppolo, why wouldn't you brought about you, you brought up Tampa situation? If Tampa's too stubborn to tear it down, why wouldn't they say to him, Jimmy, come here for a year, take like a bridge contract for a year, be our starting quarterback, and just try to have a Geno Smith or Daniel not he's not Daniel Jones as a runner, but just try to have that season and then. We'll either pay you or go into free agency, man. Yeah, no, that, that that's, I mean, he's, he's made a ton of money. So if he, if he wants to prioritize the bet, the best receiving group that he could possibly pair up with, that would, that would be it. If they can figure out a way to, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have the, the capology expertise to like get them under the cap and keep the good players and add a court, a veteran quarterback. Um, so that's why it feels like if they believe in Kyle Trask, that might be just like the obvious move. Ugh. I know. But if you, but if you can get him statue, G- he's the opposite of a modern quarterback. He would have maybe worked in 1992, maybe. So new Orleans and Atlanta. If it, so Atlanta sits at eight. You've got teams in front of you that need a quarterback. You got Houston in front of you. You have Indy in front of you. Seattle, maybe. Detroit's not going to do it. The Raiders need a quarterback. So yeah. you, at, at, at seven. So you got three three teams at a minimum that need a quarterback. And Carolina, 
if they don't, you know, and free agency will happen before the draft, obviously. So there'll be some clarity uh, there, but three teams at a minimum that need a quarterback drafting in front of you. Are you moving up or are you taking the fourth quarterback on the board at eight and hoping if I'm, there? If I'm who? If I'm Atlanta? Atlanta, yeah. Eighth overall in the draft. If I'm Atlanta, I'm, uh, if I'm Arthur Smith, I'm sitting down with Arthur Blank, then I'm saying, look, this is what I want to do. Let me try Desmond Ritter for a year. You know, we drafted him in the third round. Let me try this guy. I like quarterbacks that can move and stuff like what are the other options out there in the veteran market? Aren't really great ones. I'm not in love with Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or one of those guys. So here's my pitch. Let me play Ritter for a year. And if he stinks and we're bad, we'll either take May or Williams. That's what I would do if I were them. That would be my strategy. Now, I don't know if the coach would feel confident that if he had one of those seasons that he'd stick around. If they went 4-13, and 13, maybe they would just fire him and try to pair up a coach with one of those quarterbacks. But I think that's their best move as an organization. They won seven games this year. I know. I know. And so they're – but I think part of that is the division they played in. But that's going to be the same. I, I, I know it is. I know it is, but I'm just saying if I'm them, I think the seven wins is a fool's gold thing. I think it's a big time. I think it's, I think it's, there are young, we talked, we've talked about this. There are some young pieces of their offense that I really like. They've got a really good corner, but I don't think it really makes sense for them. They could draft the quarterback in back-to-back years, a day two pick and a day one pick. And we might come out of this season thinking, wow, they still don't have a quarterback if they take the fourth best guy. I wouldn't want to do that if I'm them. Yeah, I could, but like, I could see them being motivated to pair those young receivers with a quarterback and moving up. They, They seem to me to be a team like, Tampa and Arizona as a trade partner move up from eight to three, you know, even, even to Detroit, just move up from eight to six and jump in front of the Raiders, like go up and get your guy. Can I tell you something though? This might surprise you. I'm not convinced those quarterbacks are better than Ritter. You've liked Ritter a lot. I don't like him a lot. But I'm, I wanted to see him play this year because it never made sense with Mariota. Right. It, like, that was a waste of everybody's time. In Ritter, I have respect for guys. I think it's because of Ben. I have respect for guys, and Josh Allen is the same way, who elevate programs that otherwise are not that good and make them great. And this guy did that. Now, I know Sauce Gardner played there, too. So it wasn't like it was a one-man team. But, I mean, he was the leader of that team. He does have some NFL skills. He moves well. He's big. I I mean, Will Levis was not an accurate passer. Richardson is has, I've watched the guy play, and he does things in games that make you think he's the best quarterback talent. But I don't think he's a slam dunk like the two guys that come out next year. 
So I don't know. Listen, I, I don't think that this listen, man, no one's a slam dunk. We've we've seen this. The num- the numbers bear it out over a large sample. No one is a slam dunk. People thought Sam Darnold was a slam dunk. Like it, it's just it's very, very difficult, right? T- team drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall. Didn't no one fucking said anything about it. Yeah. And Josh Allen went seven. So no I'd be very tempted, by the way, to draft Richardson with the Me too. among the quarterbacks. Yeah. I would be very tempted to make him of the four guys my top one. 6'4, 220 with a huge arm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He looks he looks the part. All right, let's go to the AFC South. And we're gonna we'll get to Jacksonville and Tennessee, and that'll be a little different than the first 14, or I guess the first six teams that we talk about. But I wanted to lump Indy and Houston together because I just find it fascinating. Two division rivals in the top four, both needing a quarterback with a team at one that's willing to trade. How much do you think, especially if you're Chris Ballard sitting there at four, that you are motivated to get in front of them to get your guy so that, yeah, I because you'll never know for sure that he, that your guy is also Houston's guy. But I would be staring at the ceiling every single night when I go to bed thinking, okay, my guy's Will Levis, my guy's Richardson, my guy's Bryce Young. What if that's Houston's guy and not only do I not get him, but I got to play him twice a year? I just can't imagine that existence. And I would think that Indy would be very motivated to get in front of Houston. I think if Ballard isn't, I think if Ballard ultimately has the final say on that, I don't think they will, but I don't think he does. And I think what you just said, I think the person who probably thinks that way even more than the GM is Ursay. I think Ursay, I think the two owners that are involved with these teams, McNair and Houston and Ursay in Indianapolis, I would be shocked in both cases if they left their GMs to do their jobs and take who they wanted with those picks, I'd be stunned. I think McNair is going to make the pick for Houston on a quarterback. And I think Ursay is going to do the same thing for Indianapolis. I really believe that. And I think Ursay, the guy, he can't help himself. He already said the young kid looks good at a press conference when there was no reason to say it. With Ballard sitting next to him saying, hey, we can trade down too. He might have been having the bag when he said it. Yeah, I mean, he is just a total loose cannon. So that's your best bet, Danny, is that I could see Ursay being like, I'm obsessed with this quarterback. He watches like a two-minute, or any of these guys. He watches like a few highlights on Twitter and is like, go get this guy for me. I want to call him and say, hey, so-and-so, you're coming to Indianapolis. We just made you a Colt. I think he's obsessed with that. I think it's an ego thing. I think he'd love to say we have the number one pick and I took Manning there and I took Luck there and I just took this quarterback there. I agree with you. I've said it since the season ended that the Bears trading from one to four and getting to move up from four to one, getting the 35th pick in the draft and next year's first is a trade that makes too much sense. It matches up on the trade value chart. You recoup the second round pick. Basically, you gave up 32 for Claypool. You get the 35th pick. And you get to go into next year with two first round picks and hope that Indy is top 10 bad again. And maybe you've got ammunition to move up and get Marvin Harrison Jr. 
or whatever you need to continue building out your team next year. I think it's the most obvious trade on the board. I honestly do think it makes, I don't think it's a crazy thing for the Colts to do either. They've tried Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh yeah. They're not going to go. I think with the veteran quarterback, I think they've tried it too many times. I don't think Ursay will let them. No, I, think I don't think they're going. They... I don't think going with the veteran quarterbacks on the board, but I don't. I I think it also makes sense to not go with the second choice. Now, to your point, their first choice might be not be the same as Houston's, right? Like there might there might be a difference of opinion among the league, but normally there is a consensus among these guys, and I just I just think the, that he's going to have conviction to be sure that he gets his guy. Yeah, and I could see, man, I could see Ballard lying to Ursa and being like, we're not getting phone calls, or they won't take, like, just the, the you have somebody in that job who is supposed to be, like, doing the responsible thing, and you have an owner who we saw this year with Jeff Saturday wants to do things his way. So, you know, that part of it, I think Ballard might think, on his own, that the Texans would find a, find a way to screw that pick up. And he'll just stand pat at four and take whoever his best available player is. But we know that these things don't exist in a vacuum that owners, they own the team because they love getting involved in shit like this, Danny. Yeah, that's right. And listen, you, I, I, a GM could make an argument, yeah, maybe this guy's slightly better than the other, but I'll make up the difference for that by holding on to the 35th pick and next year's first. And the owner says, yeah. screw that. Go get the best quarterback. All right, Jacksonville. This team is fascinating. This team is fun. Tennessee, they're the exact opposite. But we'll do Jacksonville here first because that's how I wrote it down. Uh, last year, they had all the cap space and they had the number one pick and they had the new coach. It was so easy to see how they were going to improve uh, the team. This year, there's going to be continuity. What do you think the path is for year-over-year improvement for the playoff team that was the Jacksonville Jaguars? Honestly, it's just keep on doing what you're doing. I don't think they need a significant upgrade. They brought Engram back on the franchise tag. They got a bargain in year one. Now they're going to pay a premium to keep him around for year two. I like that because... You know, he's going to be motivated to put up numbers again. You know, with the Giants, he was so inconsistent. He was so up and down. I think having him on a one-year deal keeps him focused again for this upcoming season. So I like that. If I were them, I wouldn't even want to work out a long-term deal with him. And so you add Ridley once he gets reinstated. Kirk, you just hope he has the same year as last year. Zay Jones came on too and was really good. I mean, you've got weapons out the butt. And then you've got ETN another year removed from his knee injury. Your offensive line made strides as the year went on. It's another year for Lawrence in that system. Their defense is young. Devin Lloyd will be in year two. Quay Walker will be in year two. So I think they're in a great spot, man. I really do. That division's so bad. Their over-under will probably be inflated. I won't bet, like, there's no way I'll bet they're under. Maybe their over will be too pricey and it'll get set too high. Or maybe it won't. I mean, is there a chance Vegas looks at them like the Bengals in some way and thinks, well, even though they're in a bad division, they'll regress and maybe we'll set the number at like nine and a half or something like that? I hope they do because I will hammer that. 
if that's the case. I think they're a great bet to win 11 or 12 games next year without yeah, even I, looking at their schedule. Yeah, I think that, I mean, everything you said about their offense, I completely agree with. I also am of the belief that you can never have too many too many weapons. You know, the, the Chiefs just keep spending resources on weapons and they figure it out. But they had a lot of pressures last year, but not a lot of sacks. And they played a ton of nickel, but don't have a lot of good corners. It it feels like continuity on offense. Let let Lawrence mature and master a system, right? It's been three offenses in three years yep. for him. And let continuity be the thing on offense and draft a corner, draft a pass rusher. You know, they don't have the money. They don't, they're not going to spend a ton in free agency. You mentioned Engram with the franchise tag. That's a big cap hit. They didn't have a lot of money to begin with. But you hit if you hit on a couple of your first and your second round pick and you make you get an impact player on the defensive side of the ball and all of a sudden Walker takes that leap, lives up to his draft position, and now him and Josh Allen can actually get home to the quarterback. I think you got something there because I think Lawrence is special, though. Peterson did come out and say, like, what's the next step for him? He said leadership. Which, if they were in the NFC, I'd pick him to go to the Super Bowl next year. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't. They, they don't have the depth that the Eagles have, but Lawrence would be the, the obviously the best passing quarterback in the conference. So it's uh, they they would certainly be in the conversation. Uh, Tennessee, their draft history, man, is I'd fire the new GM already. I would already get rid of the guy. He said one of the dumbest things. Ray Carpon, I would fire right? him. Yes, I would fire him right now. He made a comment about how football, how the Golden State Warriors of the NFL, you don't win that way. That's not how football is played. When the weather gets cold, you play defense and run the ball. I would have gotten on the phone <laughs> and said, you fly back to Nashville right now. You're done. You're, You're gone. Right. If you actually believe that, you have the shortest career as a general manager in the history of the NFL. See ya. What is wrong with these people? Mike McCarthy, what he said about Kellen Moore. Oh, about he, the clock and everything else. Brutal. He, he's like, he's like, I used to be like Kellen Moore, where I wanted to run up the scoreboard and score a bunch of points, but now I understand you need to run the ball to rest your defense. Hey, Mike, it's okay if your defense is tired if you're scoring touchdowns every possession, you dummy. And you oh know what else God. rests your defense? First downs by throwing the football. Like this, these people are just insane. Uh, but they've drafted, they have three pro bowlers in their last six drafts, none in their last three, and they've been a competitive playoff team. That is insane. And, but like Taylor Luan is gone. And so they need a tackle and they traded AJ Brown and they need a receiver. So like, as long as Carthon just through dumb luck hits at a slightly higher clip than zero in his first couple of drafts. And the division is so bad with Vrabel. They're not in a terrible spot. Now they need to get better as a pass defense. They were great as a run defense, but nobody runs the ball in the NFL anymore. So like got to, you could pass on Tennessee, no problem. So like they've got, they've got a bunch of needs so he can just go to best player available, but their draft history is staggeringly bad. I would, if I were them, I would almost verbatim what I said about Atlanta. 
I'd probably play Malik Willis all year. And if it worked, great. If it didn't, I'm in the sweepstakes for those two quarterbacks next year. Yeah. I would try to tell a team out there that maybe, you know, missed out on a quarterback that they wanted in free agency that can't, you know, get up to where they want to be in the top 10 to take one of these other quarterbacks. Hey, like we'll eat a lot of what's left on Ryan Tannehill's contract. You can have them for like a mid round pick. Maybe you get someone to take that deal. I don't know, but that to me, like Vrabel has, has won with lesser talent. I think he's been, I think he's taken advantage of that weak division. They had the best record in the NFL in the AFC two years ago, but their ceiling is so low Yep. that if I were them and you got a first year GM who doesn't work for me, so he's not going to get fired right now. Um, I would be, I would be full blown tank. You know, I'm always on board for that sort of thing, man. Like if you can't win the Super Bowl and you don't have a franchise quarterback, you may as well try to do everything you can to go get one. Uh, all right. Which division are we doing next week? East or West? Uh, let's do East. All right. NFC East, AFC East. Next week, we're recording these on Thursdays in the offseason to drop for your Friday morning commute and your weekend. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer, who did say they do still test for weed at the Combine. So thank you to Spencer Ray for that hard work for Spencer tonight. That's the only thing we asked him to look up. Nice nugget. Yeah, very nice nugget. Uh, he's Andrew Filipponi. I'm Danny Parkins. Tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review, first and pot. Thank you. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 